Hey, good morning, Homestead Church, those of you joining us online. And if you are a guest today, um, it's a unique Sunday. We don't have you shake, uh, shake hands with anybody or stand up or introduce yourself. You get to be as invisible as you want. But if you stumbled upon this on the interweb today, we're glad that you joined us. Um, we're a church community in Farmington. We are almost done renovating, building a building, the Exchange Bank building downtown Farmington, which is where I'm in today. Behind me, you'll see the auditorium, but I can't go in there today or else people would be mad because they just refinished the floors. So next Sunday morning, uh, when we're online church, we will uh, we'll be having church in the sanctuary behind me. Um, I want to just welcome you today. This is a unique Sunday morning, but hopefully you are enjoying yourself. Um, we got something fun for the kids coming up in just a minute. Um, so grown-ups, tell the kids to not uh, check out. And kids, tell the grown-ups not to check out either. Um, we're going to do a short message today, continuing our series on the life of Joseph, found in the book of Genesis. Um, essentially, the book of Joseph, book of Joseph, the story of Joseph is this. God gave Joseph a dream, and even though we see Joseph go through several ups and downs on the journey to see that dream fulfilled, what we read in the story, Genesis chapter 39, 40, 41, all those chapters, it's a great story, you should read it. What we see God do in the life of Joseph is this. He was with him in every season. You can read this in the story. It would say when he was in the pit, when he was sold as a slave, when he was in Potiphar's house, when he was falsely accused and thrown in prison. It says each time, and God was with him, and he blessed him, and he caused him to prosper. So I want to focus on that a little bit today, because certainly there are connections to this story and the world in which we live currently today. This is, a, this is a unique season where the entire world is focused on one thing. The coronavirus is everywhere and that's why you're home today. Well, some of you stay home from church other days as well. But that's why we're having church online today and not at our current facility or in the facility we meet in. So certainly there are connections to our current reality today. And the biggest one is this. In every season that we go through, including this season where it seems like everything is shut down, God is with us. God is at work in us. He is providing for us. This is going to be a season where a lot of people are anxious and nervous because their ability to provide for themselves is going to be tested. There might be a season where there is shortages. And I'm not just talking about toilet paper. I'm talking about everything. And we have to remember, this season is a season that God, like with Joseph, he is with us. He is with us in the prosperity times. He is with us in the difficult times. He is with us in the coronavirus times, right? So he is at work. The way God works is not on our human playing field. He doesn't think like we do. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. God working is on a whole different orbit than what we are living in. So I want you to be comforted and to be reassured today that even while it feels like your world has really gotten small and some of you have had your fill of family time um, and it feels very small, the walls feel like they are closing in around you. And let me just reassure you, we will get through this. Hang in there. Um, even in a season where it feels like your world is so small, God is at work for you. He is working for you. He is providing for you. He is blessing you. He is causing you to prosper. So I want you to be encouraged with that today. He's able to bless us and to work for our good in every season and in any season. So, story of Joseph, we're going to get you caught up. And in case you're just joining us, you need to get caught up on the story that we've covered so far. So, what we did was something a little fun. 
um, something a little different and hopefully fun for the kids to watch and maybe the grown-ups too. Here now is our first ever installment of Big Top Kids Toy Theater. Hello, and welcome to Big Top Kids Toy Theater. Today we are learning about Joseph from the book of Genesis. Joseph was the son of Jacob, and he had 11 brothers. But Joseph was his father's favorite, so much so that his father made him a coat of many colors. Joseph's brothers were very angry. They did not like Joseph very much because he was his father's favorite. One day Joseph said to his brothers, I have a dream that one day you're all going to bow down to me. And this made his brothers very angry. I don't like that. What do you mean? No way. And so the brothers got so angry that they decided to throw Joseph into a pit. Soon after, a slave trader came riding by on his trusted horse, and he said, hello, and the brothers said, we'd like to sell our brother to you so that he can be your slave. Let's get him out of the pit. And he went with the slave trader off to Egypt. <laughs> In Egypt, the slave trader brought Joseph and sold him to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was a very important man. He was the captain of all the soldiers in all of Egypt. And Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything he had. One day, it was just Joseph working and Potiphar's wife noticed how handsome he was. And he said, Joseph, you're very handsome. Why don't you come over here and give me a kiss? And Joseph said, no, ma'am, I would never sin against God like that. Well, Potiphar's wife moved in for a kiss and Joseph tried to run away and she grabbed him by the cloak and he ran away without it. And then she screamed. She said, come here, come here. And all of a sudden, Potiphar came running. Where's Potiphar? All of a sudden, Potiphar came running. What is it? Your servant Joseph, he made a move on me to kiss me, and when I screamed, he ran away. And this made Potiphar very angry. I will throw him in jail. And so that's what happened, and Joseph got thrown in jail. Thrown in jail. And that's it for today's episode of Big Top Kids Toy Theater. Tune in next week when we find out what happens to our friend, Joseph. All right, I hope that ministered to your heart. 
Um, today, we're continuing on the story of Joseph found in Genesis 39 and 40. That's where we're going to be. If you want a Bible, you can go grab a Bible. Hopefully, you have one in your house somewhere. Go find a Bible, Genesis 39 and 40, those chapters. Joseph is now in prison because he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Now, we're going to read chapter 39, Genesis 39, starting at verse 20 through 23. Genesis chapter 39, 20 through 23. It says this, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. There we see that again. The Lord was with Joseph in prison. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he had in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything other, under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph was in prison primarily with two others. We hear about two others that he was in prison with. The chief baker for Pharaoh and the chief cupbearer for Pharaoh. So these were important positions because in addition to providing food and drink, these positions were important because they would ensure the safety of the food and drink. The cupbearer would not just serve the beverages. Often he would make sure the beverages had not been poisoned by one of the king's enemies. That was his job. And one night... They were in prison, okay? They're in prison with Joseph. And one night they both have dreams and they wake up in the morning and they're upset because they've had these dreams. The cupbearer and the baker have had these dreams and they're upset because no one is there to interpret the dreams. This is interesting to me and it's different in our world um, because we don't put a lot of, I personally don't wake up in the morning and need someone to interpret my dreams. My dreams can be a little weird at times. Sometimes it's, um, running away from some sort of a monster or a zombie and I'm not able to run fast. Have you ever had that dream? It feels like your feet are stuck to the ground. You're like, what? Why is this happening? I know how to run. Um, in my dreams, I'm completely unable to throw a football, um, not far off from reality. But the biggest recurring dream that I have is either a church service or a musical performance of some sort that I'm about to go on stage and I am completely unprepared. You ever had that? Um, often it will be a dream where I wake up and I'm thinking, how did I let that happen? And then I realize, oh, it's just a dream. It's okay. So I'm sure there's some meaning there. Um, the other dream that I have is that I'm enrolled for a class in a university, a science class, and I've never gone to it. And it's coming to the end of the semester. And I think, how have I never gone to this class? I'm going to fail this class. Those are the dreams. I never once wake up and look for somebody to interpret those dreams because sometimes they're just weird. Um, but the cupbearer and the baker... They want someone to interpret their dreams. So they tell Joseph the dreams, and Joseph interprets them. And we'll get to that in a minute. But here's one thing I want to point out today. Here's Joseph. He's had this big dream that God has given him. This big dream that someday he is going to be responsible for big things. He doesn't really know the specifics. We're going to find out the specifics in the weeks to come. But he has this dream. He knows that God has a big plan for his life. But yet he's in here in prison, and he's with two guys. But yet Joseph, who very easily, like his sphere of influence is very small. This guy that God has told, you're going to do big things, but right now his influence is over two people. So, but even because of that, he could have said, you know what? I'm not reaching out to these guys. I'm not blessing these guys. I shouldn't be here. I've been falsely accused. But he takes that moment 
in prison with those two guys and he says, well, how can I bless these people? These are the only people I'm around. How can I be a blessing wherever God has me? He didn't just complain and say, this isn't right. But he took that season of limited influence and he said, I'm going to be a blessing to wherever I can, to whomever I can. That goes against our way of thinking, doesn't it? Because in our limited human view, we like to think big audience, especially in our world today. Instagram followings, you know, audiences, we like to think big influence. And there are times where God has us in a season where it's a small sphere of influence. This could be said for your career currently where you find yourself like, I'm in this department, in this company, I don't know what God is doing, but I am not climbing the ladder. We live in a ladder climbing world where everybody wants to climb the ladder. Where you're at, figure out how you can be a blessing to somebody. It might be a, a, a situation where you've put your career on hold so that you could be home to care for kids, to raise kids. And you're thinking, my sphere of influence is these kids and they're driving me crazy. Take a moment and recognize God has you where you are. He wants to be with you and is with you and he wants to bless you and cause you to prosper where you are. So bless those around you. Don't let the size of your audience, so to speak, hinder your blessing to those around you. Pour everything you have into your family during this time. Be the best homeschool teacher you can right now. And all of us, if we have kids in school, we're getting a crash course in homeschooling. Now, if you're new to homeschooling, the biggest thing you're going to have to fight against is this. Well, in addition to, there's two things. The first is old math, new math, right? There's a new way of teaching math and it makes no sense to anybody over 30. And so the biggest, the biggest temptation you're going to have is to say, we're not teaching it that way. We're going to carry the four. We're going to do this the way I learned it, you know? And so there is that. The other tendency is going to be this, and trust me, I was there, is looking at something that your student is learning in social studies or science or something like that, to look at that and look at them and say, you're never going to need this in life. I've never once needed this in life. I've never once needed to know the inner workings of sound waves in life. So let's just skip that. I don't need to know the, the inner workings of the Mongolian Empire. We're going to skip that. So don't do that. Teach your kids the stuff. But when you are in a season where God has you with limited influence, seemingly, pour yourself into it. Bless those around you. Joseph interprets the cupbearer's dream and it's good news for the cupbearer. He says to the cupbearer, good news, in three days you're going to be out of prison and you're going to be restored to your previous position. And then the baker says, how about me? And, then, and the bad news comes to the baker. The dream interpretation for the baker is this. Um, three days, you're going to be out of prison, but you're going to be executed. Sorry. Now, different interpretations to those two dreams. And he tells the cupbearer, he says, in three days when you go out and you're restored to your position in Pharaoh's court, remember me, remember me, remember the guy that interpreted the dream, remember my kindness to you. And the cupbearer three days later leaves prison and forgets all about Joseph. He forgets all about him. And it's two years later. So Joseph interprets this dream for the cupbearer and he says, remember me, and the cupbearer forgets. If you have an absent-minded person in your house, you know how this goes. But this goes for two years. And Joseph is sitting in prison for two years thinking, I wonder when that guy's going to remember. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And he wakes up and he's troubled because he has nobody to interpret the dream. And then he tells his people, I've had this dream. Is there anyone who can interpret it? And the cupbearer has the light bulb moment. He remembers, oh, 
there's this guy. I probably should have told you about this two years ago, but there was a guy, an Israelite, in prison. And he interpreted our dreams. So Joseph gets the call. He gets pulled out of prison to interpret the dream that Pharaoh had. Finally, Joseph is out of prison. He hears Pharaoh's dream, and the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream is this. Egypt is about to have a bountiful season of seven years. This is Joseph's interpretation of the dream. Egypt is about to have a bountiful, prosperous season for seven years. Abundance, plenty, food, wealth, riches, all of it for seven years. And then following this seven years of abundance is going to be seven years of famine. So the message in your dream is this, is that you better take these seven years and prepare. You better store up for these seven years so that when the famine hits, you'll have food to provide for your people. Well, Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph in that moment that he takes Joseph out of prison and puts him in charge of the effort to save up the food over the next two years. He puts Joseph as like the number two authority in all of Egypt. So we see Joseph again. He's elevated in prominence, in influence, in position. There's been so many times where he was his father's favorite son, then he's thrown into the pit, and then he rises in influence in Potiphar's house, and then he's thrown into prison, and then he rises in influence in prison, but then the cupbearer forgets all about him, and he's there for two years. And now he's elevated into the second in command for all of Egypt. You see how God is working, and God is placing him in the positions where he needs him. And we see that Joseph, throughout the story, has been a man of upright integrity and morality. And the lesson in that is this. Upright character, morality, integrity will always show itself, will always rise to the surface. We have people in our world that are phony, false motives, falsely humble, selfish, ladder climbers. We all know somebody that's just out for themselves. We all know people that are lacking in integrity, and maybe it's us. And really, what I've found is most often it's just a matter of time before that stuff comes to the surface. And the flip side with Joseph, and my encouragement to you today is, character, integrity, morality, that always rises up. That always rises up to the surface. What's inside you eventually comes out. So be a person of character and integrity. God's looking for people with integrity and character that he can use, that he can position in, in positions of influence, that he can use to bless them and to bless others. God's looking for people whose hearts are devoted to him, who have integrity that he can use to put in those positions. All right, so we're going to continue on. We're now in Genesis chapter 41, and I'm going to read verse 53. This is all after all this happened. Joseph interpreted the dreams. There was seven years of abundance. They stored up all the grain and everything they could so that they had everything they needed. And then this happens in verse 53 of Genesis 41. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. What an amazing stamp of approval on Joseph right there. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold the grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Here's where the story of Joseph fits for us today. 
even in a famine season. Now, I'm not saying we're in a famine season. This is not a parallel to our coronavirus reality because the, there's food on the shelves. Um, there is, uh, the food will be supplied to the stores. So we don't need to worry about that kind of famine, okay? There's plenty of food. You can stop hoarding it. There's plenty of toilet paper. So we should just ease up a little bit, all right? But here's how this story fits today. In a famine season, in a season like we're going through that is difficult, we can bless others. We can bless others. This reality that we're in now, everybody so quickly, did you notice how everybody so quickly turned into, gimme, 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 what do I need, what do I need? I don't need one package of toilet paper, I need 37. I don't need one can of soup, I need all the soup. This is what happened in our, I mean, it happened quick. So what we read in the story of Joseph and what God wants for his people is even in a famine season, even in a difficult season, God is going to provide for you so that you can bless others. So as we go through the next weeks or however long this is going to take, we can bless others. This is what God wants for us. This is what God wants for his people to provide for us what we need so that we can help provide for others. That's how it works in God's kingdom. So I want you to be at rest today that in this Famine season, in this difficult season, God is working. He is watching over you. He is putting you in positions. He is speaking your name to other people like he did with the cupbearer. He is moving you out of things into other things, positions of prominence, so that you can be a blessing to others, so that your character can be a blessing to others. Look at Joseph. This wasn't something that he stored up food for Pharaoh's house or his family or just the surrounding region. It says there, the entire world, the known world started coming to Egypt because there was enough food for everybody. God enables his people to bless others and God will continue to provide for people who continue to bless others. This is how it works in your finances. This is how it works in God's kingdom. So a huge way that we can grow in our faith and our trust during this season that we're in is to resist the temptation to gather everything we can for ourselves, to self-protect, and rather find ways that we can bless others and then watch God provide for us. Amen? We can do that. We can do that. This story of Joseph and Egypt and the barns full of food and the, and the abundance that led them to a season of famine it reminds me of a story in the book of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, a parable that Jesus told. Similar in that it was about a rich man who had so much, he had a life of abundance. And his storehouses and his barns were full. And he said, I'll have, I have no more room in my barns to fill it up. So what I'm going to do is tear down my barns and build bigger barns so that I can save up more for myself. So that I can get all that I need. Even more than I need and it's just for me. This was, he was known as the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. And Jesus tells this parable and he says this, that in the story, Jesus says, God went to the rich fool and said, you fool, you've stored up all this stuff for yourself, but what you don't know is that tonight your life is over and your soul will be required of you. You've forfeited your soul to acquire all of this other stuff. And then it says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, familiar verses. Jesus follows this story of the rich fool with these words, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat 
or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? I'm going to say that again in this corona season. Coronavirus season. Who of you can add a single hour to your life by worrying about it? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Let's close in prayer today. Are your eyes closed? Dear Heavenly Father, we take a moment in this unique season that we are in, literally around the world. We recognize there is a great fear and anxiety rising in people. There is uncertainty. And so, Lord, today we come to you, our Heavenly Father, the Good Shepherd, loving Father, the Creator of the world. We come to you, the God who moves in a whole different orbit than what we do. Your ways are higher. Your thoughts are greater. So we come to you today. We just ask that you would fill us with peace. That you would fill us with joy, knowing that you are still at work. You are still at work in our life, in our family, in our careers, in our finances. You are working for our good. I pray that you would fill us with generosity, kindness for others. I pray that over the next weeks, as uh, tempers rise as patience grows short that the followers of Jesus, that we would be a model of just kindness and generosity, patience, that we would see the fruit of the Spirit rise up in us. I pray that you would give us opportunities to help those who are in need. And today I pray for the medical professionals who are working. We know that there are shortages of some resources, that there are people who are putting themselves at risk to help others, and I pray that you would bless them and protect them, provide for them. I pray today, Lord, that this season that we are in, coronavirus 2020, could be a season where we grow in our faith, where we learn to trust you, where we learn to be more generous, where we learn to read our word and, and spend time in prayer, where families are strengthened, where marriages are strengthened. I pray that through this season that you would do a work in every heart, that we would grow stronger in our faith, we would draw closer to you, that we would seek first your kingdom, and we would watch you provide everything we need. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Homestead Church. Thanks for joining us today. We will be here again online next Sunday um, in the room behind me. Um, if you would like to support Homestead Church, you can give online at homesteadcommunitychurch.org. There's a tab to give there. You can give online for that. 
Um, we appreciate your generosity and your support. Um, God bless you. Have a great day.